Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. There are times when there are holy moments, isn't it? If only we could just... So often I find that I miss it should have done. So sorry, I never. There was a, a 16-year-old girl um, in our church, uh, and she's taught me so much. We we have like a Tuesday night. I think it's called your link or something like that in 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 our time. And I I just uh, titled it "Grow." Do you want to grow? And uh, uh, people came out, and we were we were talking through the evenings. And I, the first evening, I said, um, "What are you hoping to?" to get out of these next five weeks. And this young girl put up her hand. She said, I want to speak in tongue. I want to pray in the spirit. I want to be able to speak in another language, a spiritual language. And I went, wow, I, I, I think you're going to do that. And as I went on, I said, who of you are not being baptized? And her hand went up and I said to her, um, why are you not baptized? She says, I'm really fearful. And so we've gone on this journey. But what happened is one Sunday morning, in fact, the next week, on the Sunday morning, afterwards, she came to me, tears streaming down her face. She was just, the Holy Spirit was all over her. She was laughing, crying, um, joyful. She says, I, I don't know what's happening to me, Craig. I said, wait, she says, no, you know, God just came on her. And, and I just said, hey, I, I believe you've just been filled with the Holy Spirit, and you will speak in tongues sometimes. So just enjoy it. She was too overcome to actually tell me the story. But what had happened is that morning, um, we were doing Friday night and Sunday. So on Friday night, we had a, a music set, a worship set, songs, and uh, we changed it a little bit for Sunday. But in fact, I said, let's I'll tell you what we'll do on Sundays. Let's do the first song twice. So we do a song, welcome, and then we come back with an, another song. But for some stupid reason for me, we did the same song twice. And when we did it, I thought it was a good idea. But in the time, I'm going, this was dwarf. And I was like, whatever. And so we carried on. And, and it didn't destroy the meeting at all, but it was quite a... But on Tuesday night, she came to me, and she was sitting there. And she, she, I said to her, um, Aspen, give us your story. And she said, well, you know what happened is that... When I came to church, when I was in that first song, she said, I felt God say to me, get on my knees. And she fought God all the way through that song. And, and then the, the kind of MC moment, host moment came, and she thought, ah, oh, it's, it's done. And we sang the same song again. And immediately she did, she said, I've got a second chance, and she dropped to her knees, and the Holy Spirit hit her. And I realized that my stupidity, it was actually God just messing with me for a 16-year-old girl. And she fought this thing, and then a couple of weeks back, um, we had a baptism. And I just said, if anybody else wants to be baptized. And evidently, I didn't hear her, but um, her hand shot up, and she said, me! me and she ran down and then I saw her and just in clothes and all just she she went and 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 she have you seen that little video clip has it gone around here with that little guy in the tank I'll do it you know that guy have you seen that if you haven't seen it you must it's really hilarious she was like I'll do it you know 
She got in the water, and the Holy Spirit just came upon her right there. She, we couldn't get her out the water for about 10 minutes or more. And, uh, and she's so long, she said, I want to speak in tongues. I said, it'll come. You know, before, I must say that I've, you know, have tried these kind of Pentecostal charismatic kind of charismania things. I just said, you know what, they, God was just going to do it for you. And she went home that day, she was hanging up the washing, and the next thing, started. You know, I've, I've learned so much from just the simple faith of a 16-year-old girl. And, uh, and there's these holy moments, and I've realized that I, I don't want to miss them. It's just that God's doing something, and it's oftentimes just a small act that has a massive impact. And, and, and there's hinge moments. Do you know that? There's, history swings on a small hinge sometimes. AC, BC. Just a, most of the world just thought that Jesus was, and yet is the savior of the world. I wonder if we're not in some kind of a hinge moment. I think we'll look back and and we'll see that God is doing something really significant. And oftentimes we're just so busy running around doing our own thing that we're missing. The the, the heavens thundered and God, Jesus heard the Father speak, but most people just thought that was noise. I'm going, God, I I don't want to just hear noise. I want to hear that still small whisper. And, and, And I believe that God is breathing uh, and into the church of Jesus Christ and there's a supernatural restoration taking place. God is restoring things that we've previously, and you know, I love that scripture in Corinthians and it says, it says that we have been given the Holy Spirit, not the spirit of the flesh. We've been given the Holy Spirit so that we would know what was freely given to us. Yeah, you know, I've read that before. I never really understood it. I go, Holy Spirit, would you tell me what I have been given that I didn't know about? Discovering things that we have been freely given that we didn't even know about. You don't know what you don't know. That's not a profound. That's just, we don't know what we don't know. I'm saying, God, would you give me revelation and uncover? Because when there comes an uncovering, we can get to know what God's doing. And I believe that God's uncovering things. And He's uncovering things for us. Right now, there's, there's, where there's been darkness, light will come. Where there's been foolishness, wisdom will come. Where there's been poverty, wealth will come. There's this divine exchange. A number of years ago, I was traveling in the States and I, I came across this, this Apple product and I thought it would answer all my problems about Wi-Fi in my home. It was just after dial-up, it was a new thing, and I, I really felt like I wanted to be on the cutting edge. I'm an uh, ideator futurist, and so I wanted to be the first to have it. And um, I bought it. It was a lot of money because it's an Apple product, um, especially with the Rand dollar. And I got home, and I couldn't make this thing work. I thought I was going to have Wi-Fi all over my house. And I told everybody, I'm going to be the first to have it, and I didn't. And uh, eventually I had to get a techie in my church, and he struggled for hours, and eventually told me, you know, we, we kind of, you can, there's fine print here. If you read that fine print, you actually find out that what I thought was a router is actually an extender. <laughs> what this does is it takes 
the data that comes from a router and extends it in your home and lets a whole lot of Apple products connect to it. But it's not a router, it's an extender. And so now it sits on my desk as a very expensive reminder that if you don't know your purpose, you're useless. And you see, the problem is that we all think that we are rooters. In fact, we are born with a sinful mind and sinful nature that thinks we are the rooter. And we don't know that God has created us to be extenders of his kingdom because when he created mankind and Adam and Eve, he blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, and, and take dominion over all the earth. In other words, be an extender of heaven on earth. But sin corrupted that, sin stopped that from happening, and we think we're the rooters. And the devil is loving it because he thinks, we think the whole world revolves around us. But God in his grace and wisdom came himself, Emmanuel, Christ here on earth, so that he could free us from the bondage of thinking that we are rooters, so that we could be extenders of the kingdom. And he gets to the end of his life, to the the time here on earth, and he says, now go and make disciples of all nations. And he repeats Genesis 1, 28, fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. He says, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. He gives us back our purpose. The problem is, I think there's many of us that are lying around in our offices and in our uh, uh, sports fields and on our mountain bikes and on our surfboards, and we don't know. Not that that's wrong, but we don't know our purpose. And I believe that God wants to breathe purpose back into our lives so that we know what God has placed us here for. You know what? One of the things, the scariest things for me is um, just turn 56. And um, I know you didn't think that I was that <laughs> old. <laughs> it's an amazing thing. Whenever I come across a black f- a friend who's, well, I call them darkies and, you know, we whiteies. And that. Um, whenever I ask a darkie, how old am I? And they always put 10 years onto my life, you know. I'm going, I'm never going to ask you that again. What are you laughing at? You see, blacks don't crack. I'm so petrified that I become part of the duns. You heard of the duns? I've done that. Got the t-shirt. I don't do that anymore. I'm done. I'm going, I, I don't want to be part of the duns. I don't want to be part of the duns. And I can so easily get there. Ideator, futurist, and all, I can become. So I'm just done. And I believe that God wants to breathe new purpose in life. And, and, and there may be some here tonight. You're a little bit older. You've maybe got some of the gray hair like me and losing some like me and all of that. And, but actually, I want to tell you that I believe that God wants to retire you. Not R-E-T-I-R-E, but R-E colon T-Y-R. You're going to get some new tires, man. I don't want slicks. That's for the millennials. I want some rugged 4 by 4 tires that can go where others can't go. Give me the mountain. That's what I want. Hey? I think there needs to come not retiring from things, but retiring to things. said to a, a, a great man of God once, he was in our church, he looked after our finances, and, uh, and I said to him, man, You've got to stop working. He said, I don't have enough to retire. 
I said, come on, man. And how much, you know, and I was a bit bright. I said, how much do you need, you know, whatever. And he was like, he, he had enough. He said, well, I, I said, come on, man, you, you're more than this. It wasn't three months he had a heart attack and died. I'm going like, God. If only he'd lived the last five years with new tires on him. I don't want to be part of the dance. It's a bit different to this morning. I'm not sure if you should. I, I, Mark said, he said I could just speak on anything, so that's all right. <laughs> you know what I love about this church? is pineapples. <laughs> but I mean, your shoes look like pineapples, bro. And those, those socks are shocking. But anyway, shocking. They're shocking. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 45, I want to read a scripture together. Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 1, if you've got your iPhone, iPad, uh, book, Bible, whatever it is, why don't you take it out or maybe it'll come up on the screen. Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 1 says, this is what the Lord says to Cyrus, his anointed one whose right hand he will empower, before him mighty kings will be paralyzed with fear. Their fortress gates will be opened, never shut again. This is what the Lord says. I will go before you, Cyrus. I'll level mountains. I will smash down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. And I'll give you the treasures hidden in the darkness in the secret places. I will do this so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. And why have I called you for this work? I love it that God is never short on telling us what our purpose is. Even an unbeliever, and this guy Cyrus was a foreign king. He didn't serve God. I'll tell you about it now. He says, why have I called you for this work? Do you know the reason that God has called you? Do you know the call of God on your life? Can you with boldness say, I know the plans and the purposes that God has for me. I know the work to which God has called me to. Why did I call you by name? Do you know? You see, when, when, when in, in, in the scriptures, when, we, when the scriptures use a name, it, it means the fame. Your, what are you renowned for? You see, we just call each other like Craig and this, and a guy came to me and said, do I know what my name is? And I do know what my name is. Um, do you know what your name is? means? I think most of us do in that, but... You know, we know what our name is but, and what it means, but do you know what you're renowned for? What in the spiritual realm, in the heavenlies, in the, in the, in the, in the corridors of your company, in the, in, the, in the corridors of maybe university, wherever you are, in the, in the neighborhoods around you, what is your name is renowned? When they say, Craig Clark, wow, he is do you know what that is? In the heavenlies, when, when, when the angels look over the balcony of heaven and they go, there he is famous for nothing. Why did I call you by name when you did not even know me? It is for the sake of my servant Jacob, Israel, my chosen one, the church. A picture of. Verse 13 
And it says, and I will raise up Cyrus to fulfill my righteous purpose, and I will guide his actions. He will restore my city and free my captive people without seeking a reward. I, the Lord, the heavens are on these, have spoken. In 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, it says, and you have know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. And that text that I said is 2, 1 Corinthians 2, 12. It says, and we have received God's spirit, not this world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things that he has freely, freely given us. Father, I pray that tonight, just in the short time, that you would captivate us one with the, your beauty, like we have had in worship, Jesus, the darling of heaven. But that we'd also be captivated by the beauty of the church to which we are a part of and to which we want to give our lives for. And that we would know our call, know our purpose, and that you do something significant in a small moment that would have a big impact in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever wanted to be so wealthy that you could just give like five million? Ten million. Have you ever dreamed of it? Just kind of like, you know, some German aunt that, you know, died and left an inheritance or whatever, and it was Euros. Have you, have you, have you ever had that kind of imagination? Just kind of like one day you were lying on the beach eating pineapples and uh, <laughs> You know what happened is you're kind of like, wow, just imagine if I had like 20, 30 million and I would ah, I'd just give life changes. Well, what do you want, Mark? What do you need? Yeah, just five million. Anybody? Yeah. Is that only me that, that kind of? Every day. Every day. There we go. All right. You know, I just wanted to be so rich that you could just boom. You know that there's a, there's a group of men and women from around the world that's called the Giving Pledge. Started by Warren Buffett and uh, um, what, Bill Gates. And two of them got together and said, we're going to start a group of people, you can be part of it, but only if you would pledge to give more than half of your net worth away in your lifetime or when you die, okay? So that was in 2010. By 2016, this year, there's 141 people who have done that pledge. They'll give more than half of their net worth. Right now, their net worth collectively stands at $732 billion. It's a lot of money, isn't it? Okay, so at least half of that, which is how much? Like $360 billion, okay? So in the next little, you know, whatever, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, whatever it is, however they're long, and blah, 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 300, and I'm sure there'll be more, but $350 billion will be given to the rebuilding and to poverty and to diseases and things like that. And for the large part, none of them are really Christ followers. Someone has worked out that if the church tithed worldwide, there'd be an extra $165 billion a year. So my calculations, within two years, we would have outgiven the giving pledge. Within five years, that would be enough to eradicate poverty on this earth, preventable diseases, illiteracy, support every missionary, and, 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 and still have a couple hundred billion dollars over. Do you realize how wealthy the church is? But we don't. I'm praying the Holy Spirit gets that, that 
we would understand things that are freely given to us. That Christ became poor so that we could become rich. Jack Tua, I was telling you about this friend of mine, and, and a, a couple of you may know, uh, he was saying to me the other day, he said, Craig, you have no clue what it's like to be a darky. I said, why, what do you mean? He says, we have black tax. <laughs> do you know what black tax is? I've never heard of black tax. Here we go. You know what black tax is? What is black tax? I said, what is black tax? He says, well, let me tell you. Is it matter more, you can pay your labola, but every time you go and visit the in-laws, there's a tax. And there's a tax for this, and the ta- but it's never spoken of. You can't find it in any book. But it's <laughs> and you know what? There's never a percentage. There's never a thing, but it's never enough either. So, you know, I got to thinking. I was like, tax never made anybody rich. Did it? I mean, we're all taxpayers. How many of us taxes making you rich? Unless you're corrupt. But anyway, we don't want to go there. You see, in the world, I mean, we pay the tax to the government. I hope you do and be good citizens. And if, unfortunately, you're more darker than the peach-colored ones of us, you've got another tax. And no one's getting rich out of tax. But God has got this, un, this mystery called the tithe. And it's a mystery because when you take the tithe, which means the first 10%, and you give it to God first, before the rest, then it releases the rest, and somehow, you have more than before. How many of you have discovered and understand the mystery of the tithe, isn't it? It's like, it doesn't make sense. It's like, what I'm giving, and then, like, what happens? God multiplies the rest. It's like, And it's, God has put that in. And, you know, I said to our church the other day, I said, you know what, we kind of calculated some of these, like, really financial boffs. They calculated and said, Craig, you know, based on this and this and this, that if the urban life tithe, uh, the full tithe and everybody tithe, we'd, we'd have a minimum of another five million rand a year. When I told the church, they'd be <gasps> going like, if we just knew what we'd been freely given Can I get that slide up? Now, I want to tell you the story of Cyrus. Will I feed back if I go back here? Okay, you look there and I'll, I'll, I'll be back here. So this is a, a kind of a... It's what? It's a pineapple, okay. No. All right, so there's a map. Now, here we go, we're working, you see. So there is Jerusalem, and that's where we know where uh, the Jewish people lived. And, and <laughs> if you didn't know that, okay, I'm not much of a history teacher, but anyway. Then. But what happened is, when Isaiah prophesied, he prophesied about 200 years before Cyrus. Cyrus came in about 550 B.C., so 200 years, about 750 BC, Isaiah, who was a prophet in Jerusalem, prophesied, and it was in a kind of a prosperity time anyway, but he prophesied that one day what would happen is the Jewish people would continue to rebel, would continue to, to, 
to not rest. And what would happen is the guy from uh, the Babylonian Empire, which is over here from Babylon, would come all the way here, lay siege to Jerusalem, and carry them away back to Babylon. And that actually happened. And there was a guy at the time of that exile here in Jerusalem that's name was Jeremiah. And Jeremiah prophesied, he said that it would be 70 years that this nation would be carried into exile. And he calculated it for the years that they did not rest and did not take the, the seven-year Sabbath. And it had to be 70 years. And so they were all carried away into Babylon. Now at the time of that exile, there were four youths that became famous. Can everybody name those four youths for me? Sorry? Four youths. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. Okay? And they were probably teenagers. Daniel was probably 15, 16 years old when he was carried away from Jerusalem back into Babylon. And if you've read the story of Daniel, Daniel's the guy with Daniel in the lion's den. All right, and uh, and that and he became he rose he was a, a outstanding young man he was very wise and uh, he rose in the in the courts of, of the Babylonian Empire and when he got to fifty five around about fifty five Cyrus came into power and he was the king of the Persians Persia yeah Persia okay and he was an, an incredible strategist and king. And, and what he did is he conquered this, all this pink area, conquered it. But Daniel, who was a scholar and someone of the book, because we know that he took Jeremiah's prophecy, knowing that it was 70 years, and he began to pray for, for the freedom of the Jews in Babylon so they could return. And you read that in Daniel. But I'm sure that Daniel also knew Isaiah. And so what happened is, Cyrus came and he laid siege to Babylon, which was the, the kind of major, major uh, empire at that time. And uh, Cyrus was now becoming the new empire. And he laid siege to Babylon. And Daniel tells that story about the finger written on the wall. Remember that story? And, he, and, and that and that he would die. Okay. And so the next night what happens is Cyrus comes in. Um, in that river, if you see that river Euphrates there, it flowed right through the city. But when it was full, you couldn't get in. And, and so no one could penetrate Babylon. And they were reveling and having a party while Cyrus was outside. And they thought, hmm, nothing's ever going to happen. But what Cyrus did is he took the river Euphrates and he made it go into a swampland and become a swamp. It lowered the, the city, the, the, the river, and they floated in, the army, and they took Babylon. And Cyrus's operandi was that he didn't, he, he never burnt the city, he didn't have a scorched earth policy. And he came in and he did kill the king and his son, but he didn't kill Daniel. And Daniel was the third in charge, remember. And I can just remember Daniel, when Cyrus comes in, Daniel comes to Cyrus and he says, been waiting for you. What do you mean you've been waiting for me? Well, 150, 200 years ago, there was a prophet, Isaiah, who prophesied you by name. What? You can just imagine Cyrus. What? He said, yeah. And he would have read him Isaiah chapter 45, is it? 
And he says, what you're going to do is you are going to send the people of Israel back to Jerusalem. And it's exactly what he did. And you can read that in Ezra. And you can read it at the full in Nehemiah. There was another youth that was also in Babylon and in the Persian Empire. And there was one day a king and he wanted a better wife. And so they went looking and they found the most beautiful girl in the kingdom. And her name was Esther. And she laid down her life (laughs) so that she could save the, the people of Israel. Then there was another youth and his name was Nehemiah. And he was just a servant in the king's palace. And he was looking a bit grumpy one day. And the king said, what is it? And he said, well, my city that I come from is lying in ruins. This is all over about an 80-year period, 70 to 80 years. And the king sent him back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Three, young, three people, Daniel, wasn't a young guy, but Esther and Nehemiah were relatively young laid down their lives so that the treasures in darkness could be released to build the city and the temple of God. If God can use Cyrus, an unbelieving king, how much more could he use you and me? To release millions that are locked up in your company's coffers. I don't know if you know, this is how simple it is. Do you know that the companies you work for right now in South Africa have to spend a certain amount of money on certain things? It's called BEE and other stuff. But do you know that they have to spend 6% of their salary bill on skills development training? See some heads nodding. 6%. has to be spent within the company and 3% of that, or half of it, you know, 3% of their salary bill, 50 has to be spent in the company, 50% has to be spent on unemployed. Who wants to be a Daniel, an Esther, or a Nehemiah? To walk in down the corridors of your company and knock on the CEO's door and say, I'm going to ask for the treasures of darkness that you have to spend to spend it on kingdom purposes. You guys have a foundation. You have poor. You have the thing. Do you know that you could unlock millions? You see, I set you up, didn't I? Because everyone who raised their hand said, I want to give millions. Here's the deal. You don't even have to give the millions. You have access to them. Through faith and courage. You could change the destiny of the city. What if three people could build an entire city? How much more could hundreds of us in our courts, in our companies, unlock the treasures that are there and bring them into places that are needed most with integrity, honesty. You see, I often tell the companies, I said, we've got the people, you've got the money. We've got the ministers, you've got the money, give it to us and we'll do with it. 
to advance the kingdom and build the city. Sowing in summer. I, I just felt, you know what, I wanted to challenge you tonight on something which is so just, it's like practical. This is not a thing, but I believe that tonight there are people here that are prepared to unlock the great treasures of darkness to rebuild the city through the church. And what we think is, you know what, sowing in summer, I've got to give more money. Do you know, is give and give generously. Get this morning's message if you, if you need to catch up. But, and Mark's going to share something now. But that's, you know what, you can give, you can unlock so much more. You're going to have to lay down your life. You're going to have to go walk into the CEO. You're going to have to go and find that person who is in charge of that and say, if I die, I die. I mean, what's the worst they could say? No. But what could happen? And that's not necessarily that it just comes poor. Find the, 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 the places. You know what? God is wanting to do immeasurably more than we could ever think or dream of. And, and I believe that the testimony of one, there's someone here that is going to go knock on the CEO or the financial director's door and is going to open and unlock millions. A 50 million rand turnover company, you will unlock about, you, could, you can unlock two or three million rands worth of spend that they have to spend. Now, they may be spending it somewhere and that's good. But just maybe you could be a Daniel and Esther or a Nehemiah. And rebuild the city. Just maybe. Come on. And just maybe. Sowing in summer 2016. Could release millions more. Than you ever thought of. And you didn't even have to give much. Okay. I'm done. But I want to read this to you. I am. As Gabe said, 22 years ago, I had the privilege of planting a church. And I've fallen more in love with the church than ever before. And there is a description of the church by a guy called Robert Ferguson. And, and I want to read it to you. You may have heard it. And uh, if you have, it's always good to go over it again. But I want maybe even if you, if you want, you could sort of close your eyes or focus on something. And, but I want you to get captivated again by the beauty of, of the church of Jesus Christ. You remember, it's the church of Jesus Christ. It's his body here on earth. So let me, let me read it to you. She is the plan of God on earth. Always in her father's eye, cherished, mysterious, Beautiful and potent beyond measure. King empowered and life infused, she emerges triumphant, limitless with potential, a harbor for the hopeless and an answer for the ages. The church resplendent, a bride for his son. She is the body of Christ on earth, born like her head amidst tribulation under jealous skies. 
cradled, cradled in her innocence and guarded for his purpose. She grows in wisdom and stature with victory on her lips and freedom in her hands. Hers is the unstoppable cause. She embraces the world with dignity, honor, and compassion. She gives wisdom and vision to the sightless and life to the dying. She is the family of God on earth. Within her compass, the hungry find sustenance and the weary receive strength. She's a haven for the recovering humanity, enthralled by grace. She invites the broken, the vulnerable, and the outcast to be immersed in love. She stands imperfect, but perfection resides within her. She is flawed, but is washed with forgiveness. She has a treasury of faith and a wealth of belonging. She is the house of heaven on earth, a representative, resolute to reconcile. The word within her accepts the receptive, but challenges the heartless. She, the ecclesia, called out to serve the world, calling out to welcome in in. Blood-washed and armed with testimony, the cross on her lips liberates the chained and offends the unchanging. Like her master, she is pursued and persecuted, yet she rises with strength in her heart and fire in her soul. She is the bride of Christ on earth, readying herself for the day when all eyes will be upon her, prepared and presented before the Lord. The lamb whom the world waits and comes like the rising sun, majestic and magnificent beyond description. And she dazzles with reflected glory, spotless, perfect and mature. She bows low to cast her crowns and passionately worship him. Her temporal focus becomes her eternal gaze. She is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ.